rejoicing in Jesus. Well, you ought to, ought to. I mean, you know, we're here. We got victory in Jesus. Amen. I mean, we just sang this song. You know, you ought to be happy. Happy. Well, we're going to talk this morning about, well, a very spiritual issue, a very important thing, prayer, how to pray. Uh, prayer is an awesome, awesome experience. It's something that God has given to us and we can call upon the Lord and we're in His presence. Now, prayer today is desperately needed. We just heard about the missionaries. There are many missionaries who minister today under the threat of losing their lives. There are people today who minister under adverse circumstances. And so we need prayer, desperately need prayer in a world that has gone crazy with sin, in a world that has lost its way, and many times our own country seems it has lost its way. Folks, we need prayer. Because when we pray to God, things happen. So I just want to begin by saying that and and encourage you that we're at war with an enemy. Does everybody realize that? We have an enemy, Satan. He is our enemy. And the only thing we can do, other than the Word of God, to counteract him is prayer. And how are we going to get in touch with headquarters and ask for direction without, what, communication, prayer? And everybody agrees that heaven and Jesus and the Lord are headquarters, right? Amen. So without prayer, we're lost. Without prayer, we're in a battle with no hope, no way, no direction. So we must pray. If my people call by my name, will seek me. But a lot of you say, Pastor, I don't know how to pray. I hear that a lot. I don't know exactly how to pray. Well, I'm going to share some things with you today. And if you want to get ahead, you can turn to Romans 8, 26 and 27. We're going to be there first, Romans 8, 26 and 27. Dr. Spurgeon, who is the greatest preacher since the Apostle Paul, gathered a bunch of men into a room to pray for the work of God and for spiritual renewal and revival. And they gathered there and some of the finest laymen in the church. And he called on one of the very good men of the church to pray. And he had a look on his face, a stark look, and he hung his head and began, tears began to come down from his face. And he looked at uh, Charles Spurgeon and said, Dr. Spurgeon, I can't pray. I don't know how. And so Dr. Spurgeon said to him, Son, tell God that. Tell God that. And so after a few moments, the young man bowed his head and began as best he could to tell God he couldn't pray, and he continued to pray. And when he had finished, everybody in the room was astonished. It was a wonderful prayer. 
So I want to say this, that sometimes we just need to pray even though we don't know how. God honors, and don't forget this, humble, sincere prayer of anyone. God will honor the humble, sincere prayer of anyone. The sinner crying out to God for salvation. Does he know exactly what to say or how to say it? Absolutely not. It's just a prayer of faith as best he can, telling God that he is a sinner. He's sorry for his sin and that he's acknowledging what Christ did for him on the cross and calling on Jesus as Lord to save him. That's all he knows. And his best, and I say this a lot of times in regards to salvation, in the best words that you can muster, tell God. And God takes that prayer and accepts the faith. He accepts the faith of the heart. With a heart, man believeth to righteousness. But with the mouth, confession is made to salvation. So, we may not be able to say it, but God will honor the prayer of the humble, sincere sinner, the humble, sincere believer. God will honor that. I have to admit, there have been times in my life that I've been overcome by circumstances. There have been times in my life where I've been overcome by emotion. I've been overcome by whatever, burdens. And I would go to pray before the Lord and just sit down to pray and, and just not know what to say. Now, the Bible tells us about those times. There's something we can do, and that's just like the young man. Just as best we can, tell God how we feel. Look at Romans 8, 26 and 27. And it says this, and, and this is to help you pray. Likewise, the Spirit also helps us with our infirmities, our problems, our hurts, diseases. For we know not what we should pray as we ought. We don't even sometimes know how to pray. Or what we should pray for. But the Spirit makes intercession, intercession for us with groanings that cannot be uttered. And he that searcheth the hearts knoweth what is the mind of Christ, because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. So if, if we're in that situation, we don't know exactly how to pray. Just go to the Lord, tell him that, and the Spirit will help you and will make intercession for you. So just understand that, that God's not looking for a perfect prayer. He's looking more or less for a sincere prayer. But prayer, at its best, is simply the result of a motivation to know God better and or to see God work in a situation. Therefore, no matter how structured your prayer is, no matter how eloquent it is or correct, the motivation of the heart is simply the most important thing. Everything else is just gibberish. Your motivation of your heart. God honors the sincere, the sincere, humble prayer, but God honors the motivation of your heart. What's motivating you to pray? Are you brokenhearted because you see people wandering without Christ? Are you brokenhearted for the lost? Are you concerned for others? It's the brokenheartedness of your heart, the motivation of your heart for others, or is it selfishly for you? You see, the motivation is key also. The motivation is key also. Well, why is prayer even possible? Ephesians chapter 2, let us look there. 
for a moment, and, and we won't spend a long time on this, but I want to spend some time. How is prayer even possible? Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9. For by grace are you saved through faith, that not of yourselves it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Most believers should know those verses by heart. We are not saved through our works. There's nothing you can do that will appease God for your sin. Even being baptized, walking an aisle, whatever you might do, will not save you. But acknowledging who Christ is, who you are, and what he has done for you will save you. So, what makes it possible? Well, we are saved by grace through faith. Look at verse 13 and 14. But now in Christ Jesus, you who sometimes were far off are made nigh by the blood of Christ. For he is our peace who has both one and has broken down the middle wall of partition between us. Talking about the Jews and the Gentiles. But God on the cross, Jesus on the cross broke down another partition, didn't he? Remember remember the old curtain that hung between the Holy of Holies? What did he do on the day that Christ was di- died? He reached with his finger. He split that thing in two several inches thick. And the way to God was made open. He was saying to everyone in the New Testament as a believer, the way to God is now open. You can go to God. Through the blood of Christ, through his forgiveness, the way to God is open. Amen? We take prayer for, for granted, I believe. Oh, what a blessed, what a wonderful thing to be in the presence of God in prayer. Do you realize where you are, my friend, when you pray? When you say, Lord, you're in the presence of Almighty God. What a wonderful thing. He has made it possible. That petition has been ripped down. And He promises to all believers... To hear your prayers and to answer your prayers. Maybe not the way you want. He'll say, no, yes, maybe, wait, some other way. However he answers it, he will answer it. But listen, you know, I'm reminded in the Bible that God even answered the prayers of an unsaved man. Remember Cornelius? He said his prayers came up as a memorial before God. He prayed to God. God says, I've got to get this man saved. Because he's sincere and he's praying and he wants, he wants to know. And God got him a means and he was led to Christ. It's a privilege. It's an honor that Jesus paid for us to have. And we don't even use it sometimes. Do you realize that prayer is supernatural? We talk about miracles. You know, he divided the sea and all the miracles of the Bible. Well, you know, every time you pray, it's a miracle. Because you're, you're going before God. You're going before God. Hebrews 4.16 says, Let us boldly, because of Jesus, come before the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need or trouble. In a moment, we're before the throne. I can't understand that. 
It took, how long did it take the spacecraft to get to the moon? I didn't look that up. <laughs> but it's 238,900 miles, or approximately the number of miles on my Saturn before I sold it. <laughs> it's how far it is to the moon. But then I didn't drive the Saturn back. But anyway... Alpha Centauri and Proxima Centauri, the closest stars to our solar system, are 25 trillion miles away, or 4.3 and 4.2 light years. The speed of light traveling for 4.2 years. That's pretty fast. Light travels pretty fast. That's, that's fast. And yet we say... Lord! And you've just traveled from here on earth to the throne of grace in heaven. If that's not supernatural, my friend, nothing is. That's, that's about the biggest jump I know of as a human being. What about the simplicity of prayer. Now you say, Pastor, you said you're going to teach us how to pray. I'm getting there. That'll be in the next 30 minutes. But I'm getting there. But I want it, I feel like this, you need to preface this first. We need to understand the greatness of it, the importance of it, how we got there, and how important it is, what it means. But the simplicity of prayer. We want to make it more complex than it is. And Jeremiah 33.3 says this, Call unto me and I will answer thee and show thee how great and uh, great, how great, show thee great and mighty things. Let me say that right. Call unto me and I will answer thee and show thee great and mighty things. That seems pretty simple uh, to me. Call unto me. Call unto me. Okay. Matthew chapter 6. Here we go. Matthew chapter 6, we're going to begin in verse 5 through 8. The disciples had grown up in the Hebrew religion. They were trained, as all of them were, in their religion. And so Jesus begins to talk to them about prayer. Verses 5 through 8, he says this. And when you pray, thou shalt not be as the hypocrites are, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues, in the corners of the streets, that they may be seen of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. But thou, when thou prayest, enter into thy closet, and when thou hast shut the door, pray to the Father, which is in secret. And thy Father, which seeth in secret, shall reward thee openly. But when you pray, use not vain repetitions, as the heathen do, for they think they shall be heard for their much speaking. Be not ye therefore likened to them, for your Father knoweth what things ye have need of before you ask him. And they wanted Jesus to teach them to pray. The preacher Charles Haddon Spurgeon said again, Long prayers in private, short prayers in public. 
I remember in college going, a group of us going to breakfast, and there was a young man there. His name was Steve. Crystal knows who he is. Good friend. He's a good friend. And we sat down at breakfast, and we decided to let Steve ask the blessing on the meal. Well, he started praying for missionaries, and then he started confessing his sins, and I finally said, Amen. And stopped him. He said, why did you stop me? I said, my eggs were getting cold. I said, Steve, the blessing of the meal is no time to catch up on your prayer life. You can do that on your own time. And, uh, you know, that kind of, that's kind of true. Short prayers in public, long prayers in private. Well, here, as Jesus is warning them, saying, the don't pray long, eloquent prayers in public so people will look at you and say, oh, look, listen to how he prays. He's so spiritual. He said, just pray sincerely. Go to God in your closet and pour your heart out to him. And be honest with him. You know, nobody goes in public to pray and say, Lord, I'm... I'm this kind of sinner, you never hear that. You know, nobody ever says, Lord, I, forgive me, I'm a this or that. And you fill in the blank. But that's what we do in private. We get honest with God. <clears throat> and we don't sugarcoat it. We don't, don't try to sugarcoat it. God said, God, this is what I am, this is what I did. There's no sense hiding it from you anyway. After this manner, verse 9, therefore pray ye, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. The first thing in our prayer is the direction. It has to go to God. And there has to be, there should be adoration and worship there. Father, I love you. Thank you. I come before you. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Holy is your Name, holy is everything about you. It doesn't hurt to remind God of who he is. God, your God is good. We say that all the time, but God his goodness, his greatness, his mercy. I remind God all the time how long suffering you are, Lord. Thank goodness you're long suffering with me. Uh, you know, it doesn't hurt to acknowledge who God is. Always acknowledge who God is and the and the adoration and worship. Verse 10, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. There's a greater meaning to that. Pray for God's will, yes. Pray for his work on earth to be done. And pray for God's will to be done in our lives. You see, prayer, we often think that we've got to go to God in prayer and, and have God bend our way. That's what we're trying. God, you just need to see it my way. And God is saying, no, prayer isn't that way. God is you coming to me, and I'm going to bend you my way. It's our bending to His will, not bending God to our will. But that's not how we look at it. Because we want it this way, and God says, eh, let's go this way. His will be done, not our will be done. His kingdom come, and it is a sure coming. <clears throat> God's will be done on us, in us, in our lives. <clears throat> Excuse me. Give us this day our daily bread or our basic necessities. 
Now think about the wilderness. In the wilderness, they prayed and they got the bread every day, the manna. <clears throat> Brother, there's a cup over there. Would you get it for me? I'm... <clears throat> They gave me some ibuprofen right before the service, and guess what? My throat got a little dry. Thank you. <clears throat> Even if the cupboard is full, you should pray, give us this day our daily bread. Did you hear me? You say, well, I don't need to pray for that. I've got plenty of, i got some soup up here, and some Campbell's soup up here, and, and armor chili, and a few other things, and I don't really need to pray, but... Pray anyway. Pray as if the cupboard were empty. Lord, give us this day our daily bread and not just the food we eat, but the spiritual food we need. And then it's a time of forgiving. Asking God to forgive us, but folks, forgiving others. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Later on it says here, if you don't ask somebody... Well, look down in verse 14 and 15. If you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. If you come out of prayer and you still are holding a grudge against somebody, you need to go back and pray some more. Because you didn't get it. Amen? amen. I'm not hearing any amens this morning. Thank you, bro. We need to pray... And just go back and pray some more because we didn't get what prayer was about. Lord, you forgive us as we forgive others. And don't forget the illustration that God gave in the Bible of a man who owed money and got forgiven and went out. He owed a million dollars and went out and found somebody owed him 20 and started beating him. Listen, Jesus forgave you a billion dollars in sin. So don't go holding a $20 bill against somebody. Amen? Because that's what you're doing. When you hold grudges and hold things, well, they did something to me. So what? That's water under the bridge now. We've got to move on, folks. Paul said, let those things behind go. Let them go. Amen? You know what's going to happen if you learn how to forgive people? You're going to find your load's a lot lighter. Are you going to carry that with you? Let it go. And so in prayer, let go, folks. Lord, take away this sin, this weight that I have, and take away, Lord, what they've done. I forgive them. And Lord, let it go. Let's let it all go. Put it behind me so I can move forward. And that's one of the things we need to do in prayer. In verse 13, don't ever forget this. Acknowledge His Lordship over us. That's important. Lead us not into temptation. That's, is that acknowledging His Lord? You better believe it. Lord, You're in control of my life. I'm not. Because if I am, it's a mess. And we're in trouble. They say, God is my co-pilot. Listen, I can't pilot at all. And if God's my co-pilot, we're in a lot of trouble. I'll tell you that right now. He's going to have to take over. Because I can't fly a plane. And listen. Acknowledge His Lordship. Lord, You lead us. You lead us. And we're under subjection to You. Thy will be done. Lord, You're in control. 
Lead us not into temptation. You're the controller and mover of my life. Deliver me from the evil one. It says here, deliver us from evil. The evil one is literally what it means in the original text. The evil one. From our enemy. Deliver me from my enemy. Because we know all his devices and his work. But Lord, you can lead me out of that. For that is the power, the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Acknowledge who he is. Acknowledge who he is. So let's look at some basic parts and think about the basic parts here of prayer. Well, there's worship. That is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. There's confession of our sins, maybe sins against us. Praying for others. Praying for others. Thanksgiving. Thanking God for what you have. Praying maybe for your needs, but thanking Him for what He's given you. Amen. An unthankful child will not receive more. And if we're unthankful for what we have and we pray for more, God's not likely to give it to us. Supplication for your request. Notice this in... Number five, supplication. Adoration and listening to God speak to you. And finally, address that prayer. It says in John 15, in the name of Jesus. Now, that's not... You're saying, well, Pastor, that's all I need to know about how to pray. No, no. No, this is the beginning of what you need to know about how to pray. Let me talk lastly about just a couple of things here, and we'll finish. Important things about prayer. In showing love for God in prayer, it cannot always be about us. We need to acknowledge to God we love Him. Lord, I love you. I'm thankful for you. Jesus, when He prayed, think how He prayed for His disciples. He told them one time, he says, I prayed for you that, he says, Satan has desired you that he may sift you as wheat, but I've prayed for you. When we need him, again, he's never far away, is he? Come boldly to the throne of grace. When we need Jesus, he's there. Amen? So you be there with him in prayer, preemptively. John 15, 16, pray, and uh, you ask the Father in my name, I will give it. Jesus said, pray in my name. Again, you don't need big words, just sincerity. And always be thankful in your prayer. Philippians 4, 6, be careful for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God. And lastly, just like I said at the beginning, just pray. And trust God to help you. That's the big thing. Just venture out in prayer and ask God to help you. That's important. Amen? Amen. Well, hopefully I've shared with you a little bit about prayer today. And we're going to close the service with prayer this morning. But we're not closing because we're going to have a baptism. Don't forget. So don't run off as soon as the invitation's over because we have a baptism. Deacons, you'll get the doors. Uh... 
you know, Jim, you'll come up here and relieve me at the invitation so I can go back. We have someone being baptized this morning, and we thank God for that. But let's stand this morning and pray as we close the service, the worship service. And as we're praying this morning, everyone just bow your head for just a moment and and begin to pray. You say, well, I'm going to try that. I don't know exactly how to pray, but I'm going to try this morning. As you're praying, if you've never accepted Jesus as your personal Savior, you're like Cornelius. God has heard, maybe heard your prayers, but you're not a child of God. You're, You're not going to heaven. As a matter of fact, God says you're on your way to hell without Christ. And with every head bowed and every eye closed, no one looking around, if you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, If you will just acknowledge Him as the one who paid for your sins and call on Him as Lord and Savior, He says He will save you. It's not of works. It's by grace through faith. Not of your works, lest any man should boast. And God will come in. He will give you a new birth, new life, a new outlook. If you're here this morning without Jesus, he says heaven can be yours just simply by acknowledging him as Lord and Savior. Are you doing that this morning? If you'd like prayer in that, you're praying as best you can to do that. Just lift your hand up where you are. I'll pray pray with you. Anyone at all this morning. I want to know I'm going to heaven. I want to accept Jesus as my personal Savior. Anyone at all. Raise your hand. Lord, we thank you for this time together. We ask your blessing now on the invitation that is given. If someone has a decision, a need, a burden of their heart, they need to pray for. Lord, this is the time. I pray they would come. We commit this invitation to you. Ask your blessing, Lord. Ask your work. Work mightily. We thank you, Lord, today for everything you've blessed us with. Thank you for the blessing of salvation, the blessing of knowing Christ as Savior. And Lord, we call upon you at this moment in the name of Jesus. Amen. Won't you come as we sing?